Okay, so um, yeah, how was the last session for you? Did you feel that you know, God was speaking to us about our love? As I said, you guys come across as such a loving group that, you know. <laughs> but isn't it good, though, when God challenges us and pinpoints our heart so we can change? Um, let's go now to growing deeper in our partnership with Israel. And the reason why I mention that is because the Bible that you have in your hand, you take out Israel and everything about Israel in the Old Testament and the New Testament, how much do you think you'll be left with? Not much at all. Um, so we want to know, what is it in this brief time? Obviously, I, it's too, too, too big of a subject to... to um, give it justice. But just in this brief time, a challenge to our partnership, a deeper partnership with Israel. Father, I just want to thank you again. I ask for your um, supernatural strength to uh, once again uh, share your word. And I pray that you give us all ears to hear. Teach us. What is it that you want us to solidify in our, in our Christian journey when it comes to Israel. We thank you for your people, your covenant people, Israel. We thank you for our Messiah, who was a Jew and is a Jew. We uh, appreciate all that has come from this nation to bless our lives today. And we ask this in your awesome name. Amen. So, if you could turn to uh, Romans chapter 9. We're going to look at just a few verses, not a whole lot, but just a few verses to begin with. I'm looking at Romans chapter 9. I, um, my, my daughter, my older daughter, one of the twins, Keisha, is at Bible college now. So she travels from Bendigo once, once a day, actually twice a week, roughly. Roughly twice a week to be involved in this Bible college. And um, I asked her, so what was, what was last night like for you? And she says, oh, Dad, we had a great time. We looked at the book of Romans. And I went, oh, cool, it's my favourite book. And uh, she says, yeah, we, we, we were split into groups. That group talks about Romans 1 and 2, that, that one 3 and 4, whatever. They just split the group up to talk about the book of Romans. What can you grab from Romans? And I said, oh, and straight away my ears pricked up and I just thought, hmm, who got Romans 9 and 11, 9 to 11? She goes, Daddy, that was us. That was our group. I went, really? She said, yeah. I said, so what did you get out of it? And she said, oh, it was great. We looked at this and we looked at that and how God does this and, 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 and challenges us to do this and work on this. And I thought, wow, she's right. There's all those principles in Romans 9 to 11. But then I asked her, ah, oh, what else? And then, she, and then she talked about something else. And, but that was about it. All these principles that came out. And I said, so did you guys talk a little bit about Israel? And she goes, oh, no. Well, were we supposed to? And I just said to her, uh, Keish, Romans 9 to 11 is specific in the book of Romans. God is using Paul to say, God has not rejected his covenant people, Israel. 
It's all about uh, reminding us that he's not finished with his people. So look at Romans 9, 1 to 5. I'm telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying and my conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple services and the, and the promises who are the fathers and from whom is Christ according to the flesh, who is over all God blessed forever. Chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that's Israel, is for their salvation. And finally, chapters 11, 1 and 2, I say God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Now, are there any Jewish people here? No, we're all Gentiles. So this is good for us as Gentiles that we should hear from Paul, who was a Jew, but he was also in the church, because in the church it's neither Jew nor Greek or Gentiles. So Paul was actually a part of the church, and yet it was Paul who said, God has not rejected his people. And as I said, you take Israel out of the Bible, you're left with nothing, pretty much. You go rub shoulders with... Um, pretty much a whole lot of pastors and teachers, and you go to their, their library, um, many of them, not all of them, obviously, but many of them would have nothing about Israelology or the people of Israel. Um, this, is so, this, is, this was huge for me because I realised that when I was born again, that it was a Jewish Messiah who I bowed the knee to. It was a Jewish book that I was introduced to. And uh, all the blessings that come from the people of Israel have become my blessings. I now have a father, Abraham, because of my faith that he had. It's incredible. So over 72 years ago, Three years after World War II had been declared over, David Ben-Gurion, Israel's Prime Minister, quickly and courageously declared the state of Israel into existence. The moment the UK, the superpower of the day, the moment the UK pulled away from their mandate to own Israel as a, as a people and as a nation, when they pulled away, David Ben-Gurion declared the state of Israel into existence. And it was at the smile of Harry S. Truman, the President of the United States. Now, 
Truman's mother had been praying for Truman since he was born, that this boy would do something significant for God. That was her prayer over his life. And years later, um, Truman was involved in bringing about the, the state of Israel. And the nation of Israel had been homeless for over 2,000 years. The day after, I'm not talking about a week or even two weeks after, which would be even more crazy, but the day after the declaration, five Arab states attacked Israel. They were not a powerful, warring nation experienced in war. They were only brand new. But God miraculously delivered them from this attack of five nations, from Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, Syria, and from Lebanon. Uh, She would have to repeat this fighting for the next decade after decade after the 1956 war, the 1967 Six-Day War, the 1973. It would go on and on. Israel would have to fight for her existence. So Israel came into existence when God called an old Mesopotamian uh, man named Abraham, as you remember. In Genesis chapter 12, the Bible says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went away as the Lord had spoken to him. From the time that Abraham, um, that this promise was given to Abraham to this day, everyone who has supported Israel have been blessed. Now you, you can see this in the nation of the US. The moment they 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 took Israel under their wing was the moment that God made this land of freedom a blessing to the world. God said it so clearly, you bless my people, you will be blessed. You curse my people, you will come under the curse. So from, uh, there's, a, there's an author named William, I'm not sure if you read this book, Koenig, who authored the book called I to I, Facing the Consequences of Dividing Israel. Um, the book documents a massive cost that has come to the US economy Um, as they have suffered catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe at the time, surprisingly, when they have tried to divide the land of Israel and Jerusalem to bring peace in the Middle East. So it's not surprising to read those accounts. God reiterated his promise that he gave to Abraham, to Isaac, his son, Uh, In in Genesis chapter 17, then Abraham fell on his face and he laughed like all of us would have laughed at his age. (laughs) 
Will, will a child be born to a man that is 100 years old? Come on, we'd all be laughing at that. And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, give birth to a child? Are you ready, those of you that are over 40, to give birth again? No. <laughs> that was quick. That was quick. In fact, um, Abraham said to God, even though God promised him from his own loins that he would give him a child, Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael would live before you. But God said, no. Sarah, your wife, will bear a son, and you shall name him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him as a what? Everlasting covenant. What does everlasting mean? What do you think it means? Forever. An everlasting covenant. Furthermore, he goes on to Isaac's son, Jacob. And uh, you'll find that in Genesis chapter 28, 13 to 15, where he again reconfirms his covenant with Abraham and Isaac. Do you remember in Genesis chapter 32 when Jacob wrestled with God? Do you remember that? And uh, the Lord is saying, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And God did. And he was given the name of Israel, triumphant with the Lord, triumphant with God. The name Palestine entered world history um, after the Barcocha revolt of 132 to 136, where the Roman Emperor Hadrian uh, sought to ridicule the Jews and, and, and really kind of like rub their face in the dirt by giving them a name that was closely associated with their greatest enemy of biblical times, the Philistines. So it was named Syria-Palestina. Later on, Palestine. And I am forever, I'm not joking, I am forever with my whiteouts in my, any Bible that I have. Wherever it says Palestine in the maps, I'm just whiting it out and putting Israel. 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 That's the name that God gave to his people. Psalm 83 verse 4. They have said, come, let us, let, let's wipe them out as a nation so that the name of Israel will no longer be remembered. Romans 9 to 11 is placed by the Holy Spirit in Scripture to seal God's promise to his covenant people, Israel, in the minds and in the hearts of all of us who are evangelical Gentile Christians. Seal it in our hearts that he's not finished with our older brother, so to speak. Of all the descriptions that we know about us as a church, I think I mentioned this the first night, of all the descriptions in the Bible about us as a church, I guarantee that not many of us would call ourselves as grafted in ones. When's the last time you were in a conversation where, yeah, you talked about us grafted in ones, and yet Paul says we're grafted in, grafted in, to the root. And we praise God for that. So, God supernaturally and graciously grafted us into the promises and the blessings of his covenant people, 
Israel. Now our Abraham is our father too. Now God bless, who blesses those who are his people, he blesses us too. And those who pick on us, he picks on them too. That's over us as a blessing because we are associated with his covenant people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, if, uh, that all the promises of God are fulfilled with Christ with a resounding yes and amen. So if God takes away his blessing and his promises from Israel, if he changes his mind, what makes you think that he won't change his mind about you and me? But we know the character of God, that he doesn't change, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he can keep his covenant with Israel, he can keep his covenant with us too. So how do we grow in our partnership with Israel to have a deeper, deeper relationship with God? How do we grow in that partnership? Well, here's the first thing. We remember, does it come up there? Yes. We remember the figure eight. And Joe's at the back frowning going, yeah, okay, what are you trying to say, bro? Back in Genesis chapter 15, the Bible says, after the sun went down and darkness fell, Abraham saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. Well, God told him, to get some, uh, some animals and cut them in half. And this is the way they used to make an agreement and a covenant. They would put them in a figure eight. And the, both parties would walk between those, those um, pieces that were in the figure of eight. And in walking between those pieces, you were saying that I agree. With this, this agreement is between us. And if you thought that you could cut yourself away from this agreement, this was the case that would happen to you. You would be dead, just like the carcasses in this fervate. That's what's going to happen to you if you think you're going to break this covenant. And the Bible says that the Lord put a, a deep sleep on Abraham and God himself walked the figure eight because only God could keep this covenant forever. He knew that we would break it. And only God. And every time you remember the figure eight, you remember that, that he has kept his covenant. And he will keep his covenant with you and I. And that there is a reason why we join with Israel as his people and we, we support and we bless them and we find ways to reach Jewish people who are blinded to the truth. All because God kept his covenant and keeps it today. So you remember the figure eight. Secondly, our partnership grows deeper. I don't think this one's up there. It may not be up there, because I think I thought of, uh, I might have come. Yeah, it is up there. Sorry, good. That's fine. Our partnership grows deeper when we listen to donkeys. <laughs> I knew Calvin would laugh at that one. Partnership grows deeper when we listen to donkeys. You remember the story in Numbers 23 when um, Balak asked Balaam, the false prophet, come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. 
And, um, you know, this was a powerful prophet amongst the people in those days. And, and Balak the king says, you come and you curse this people. So he went and was ready to go and curse this people and he was riding on his donkey. And as he was riding, um, the donkey began to move this way and try and, and move that way and squash his leg on that, that part of the, the entryway and squash his leg and, and, and Balaam started to get annoyed because this happened about three times and he, and, he, and he cries out to the donkey. That's how far gone he was. That's, uh, that's how far gone he was. He actually spoke to a donkey. But worse, when the donkey spoke back to him, he was having a conversation with the donkey. <laughs> this is crazy. And yet the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, ready to kill him. If you're coming to curse Israel, you're finished. And so our partnership grows deeper when we listen to the message of the donkey, that if you're not going to side with Israel, you can't expect your Christian journey to be, to be as full as it could be. Because Israel is a part of our Christian journey. And donkeys teach us that. There's more. Our partnership grows deeper when we go outside. Remember that. Our partnership goes deeper when we go outside. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 31. This is what the Lord says, 35 to 37, who gives the sun by light, by day, and in the fixed order of the moon and the stars by light, by night, who stirs up the sea and the waves roar. The Lord of armies is his name. If this fixed order departs from me, declares the Lord, then the descendants of Israel will also cease from being a nation before me forever. Now you guys, look at me. Is there a sun out there? Was there a sun yesterday? No matter how cloudy it was. What about the week before? Are you expecting the sun to be there tomorrow? Well, there's our proof, God says, that he's not finished with Israel as a nation. So we have the figure of eight that teaches us about that only God could make that covenant strong and everlasting. We have donkeys that teach us. We have going outside, looking up to the stars. You go to the beach and you listen to the waves roar. God is saying, as long as those waves keep doing what they do, I'm not finished with my people, Israel. I'm not finished with them. So it's our responsibility. If he's not finished with them, then I'm not finished with them either. I have to learn. How do I partner with Israel? Because they're not finished according to God's word. You have to change God's word to not be involved. Does that make sense? What about this? Our partnership grows deeper when we visit orchards. There are some orchards that will teach you about grafting. And the more we learn about grafting, the more we understand, as I said, we as a people... Non-Jews have been grafted in 
to the olive tree, Israel. The fig tree, Israel. We've been grafted in. Romans 11, 17, 18 says, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. It's so easy to be arrogant as the church because we are the ones um, in, in, in the mid-1700s or the 1800s where the explosion of missions went out because of the church. So we, we're the light bearers. Paul says don't be arrogant towards the Jewish people. Don't be arrogant. They are the ones who actually support you. There's more. Our partnership grows deeper when we acknowledge history. What do I mean by that? If you go to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, the greatest prophetic word in the Bible is given to us. It outlines the time when um, Xerxes uh, released Nehemiah to go back and build the wall of Jerusalem up until the time that is still yet to come, the 70th week of Daniel, where in the tribulational period, God will be trying to bring his covenant people, Israel, back into relationship with him. The church is gone. Church, we're gone. We've been raptured. We've got new bodies. We are, we are in a celebration, the marriage feast of the Lamb. We're with the bridegroom. But Israel are yet to repent and turn. So this 70th week, it's for them. It's not for us. We're gone. And so the, that's the history that we have. The 70 weeks of Daniel, Nehemiah chapter 1 and 2. So today Israel has over 9 million people that reside there. Um, probably I think around 6 million are actually Jewish. The others are living in, in Israel. She is a global leader in exporting fruit and other goods. They capture, uh, they, they capture water particles from the air to recycle water. They are leaders in, in all these incredible uh, cybersecurity technology. Leaders in, in military operations. Uh, you, you only have to go back and look up how Iran has come time and time again with her allies to try and disturb Israel, and Israel's military prowess has knocked them back every single time. She's a world leader now, today. Uh, the AI intelligence in, in Israel, incredible. Incredible. God's word to Abraham has come true. He has not forsaken his people. God's word was given. God's son was given. God's blessings have been given through the people of Israel. 
This is what Mark Twain wrote uh, years ago when he came to visit Israel in 1869, not today, way back then. He wrote The Innocents Abroad, his book, and in his description of what he saw um, in Israel, he says, of all the lands there are, it's a dismal scenery. He said, I think Palestine must be the prince of this dismal stuff. The hills are barren. They are dull of colour. They are unpicturesque in shape. The valleys are unsightly. Uh, the deserts are fringed with feeble vegetation. That is an expression about, of being sorrowful and despondent. That was his description of Israel. And yet in 1 Samuel 12, God says this, For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. You go to Israel today, it is full. It is, it is just green. It's lush. The, the use of water is world-leading. They are not where they were because God has blessed them and has taken them under his arm for millennia. For thousands of years, he has never forgotten his people. How about this? Our partnership grows deeper when we go to the cinemas. What am I trying to say? What happens when you go to the movies before the actual movie starts? What do you watch? Apart from the ads, what do you watch? Trailers. Yeah, trailers. What is coming? What's coming? in the future. So when we think about that as an analogy, our partnership grows deeper when we begin to investigate, well, what's coming in the future? And the Bible is quite clear in Zechariah chapter, you can read this for yourself, Zechariah 12, 1 to 10, and again in your own time, Revelations chapter 6 to Revelations chapter 19, when it talks about the judgment, all pointing towards God bringing his people to the place and the position where they will mourn for the one whom they pierced. And they will cry out for Messiah to forgive them for their sin and they will accept him as their king, their Messiah. So our partnership grows deeper when we begin to study about what's going to happen in the future. And one of the uh, in fact, one of the future prophetic events with Israel that is coming up, keep your ears and your eyes open to the developments of it because it's developing right now before our eyes is the Gog and Magog war that is coming against Israel, Ezekiel 38 and 39, where all these alliance of people will be coming against God's people. And you'll find that Israel's allies, all they do is question why that's happening. They don't even go and rescue her. And that makes you wonder, well, what's happening with America today? We, we see what's happening. What's going to happen when that war starts? What's going to bring America to such a place that they do not rush and flex their muscles and say, back off, back off? Because they don't do that 
You read in Ezekiel 38 that all they do is criticise. You come in for spoil? You come in for riches? But guess who rescues Israel? The one who made the covenant in the figure of eight comes in the future to rescue his people. So we, our partnership grows deeper when we consider what happens in the future. I encourage you, if you um, are able to remember this, uh, if, if you can read Dr. Michael Brown's book on our hands are stained with blood. He talks about the history of the church and their relationship with Israel and how that the church themselves, themselves, have persecuted and treated Israel with disdain. And that is why many um, Jewish people have in the back of their minds that when you talk about yourself as being a Christian, all they see is the Crusaders. All they see, uh, or you know, you talk about, oh, no, hang on, look, oh, we're part of the Great Reformation and Martin Luther is our, our leader. All they think about is what Martin, Martin Luther um, decided to say and incite against the Jewish people. History records that. And so Dr. Brown talks about this in his book. And it affected me in such a way that um, I emailed the director of an Israeli organisation that I support financially. Um, the the organisation is called Christian Friends of Israeli Communities in Judea and Samaria. And um, have had the privilege for the last few years to just put some finances into that um, uh, organisation. She, she, she not only knows so much about her own people and their history, but she's working alongside Christians. But she doesn't see the Messiah for whom he is. And I couldn't fathom that. How can you not? But the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians that the enemy has blinded the minds of those who believe not. And so, you know, this, this uh, leader is called Sondra. And this book affected me in such a way that I emailed Sondra and I said, you know what, Sondra? It's Mike here. Um, I don't know what to say. I, I was writing. I really don't know what to say. I've just read this book and all I can say is on behalf of my foolish brothers and sisters of the past and even in the present, those people, those churches, evangelical churches who continue to ignore and not even press into the people that you, uh, God's people that he has made a covenant with. I said, all I can say is on behalf of them and myself, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for, for being a part of that? That was just my words. Sandra emailed me back and says, wow, Mike, I've never received a, an email like this before, but hey, you weren't there. This is not you and, and others today. This is the past. And yes, you're right. My people, we are offended. We are offended that the church has pushed us to the side and so busy, so busy with our own stuff that we don't make room, make room for the figure eight people, 
for the people that the donkeys stood up for, for the outside elements that cry out that God is not finished with his people, that you have so much to learn about your rich history, even from Messianic Jews that can teach you about the culture and the scriptures in that context. He's not finished with them. And so I leave you with, um, again, the word that Balaam said. How am I to put a curse on him upon whom God has not put a curse? And how am I to curse him whom the Lord is not cursed? That's the question for the church today. If God has blessed Israel, why, why aren't we pressing in to his people and making them a part of our journey of faith? Why aren't we looking to reach out to Jewish people and how you do that is how God leads you. It could be to support a Christian organization that is reaching Jews for Jesus kind of thing. Why am I pressing into that? What has gone on inside my heart that I should not be interested in the people that Paul said, God has not rejected his people? What's gone on in here? Is it just ignorance? Have I just not been told? Or is there something more that's going on that, no, uh, you know what? I believe in my heart that the church has overtaken Israel. That's where I am. Well, we're going to have to do a lot of rubbing out of the promises of God if that's the case and create a new Bible because God has made it clear with a yes and an amen that he's not finished with his people Israel. And so I encourage you this morning to grow deeper in your relationship with God as you include Israel into that journey. Make sense? Okay, Father, we, uh, you know, uh, how quickly we say Father God and, and so forth, but we, we forget that, um, God, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as well as the God of J uh, Billy Graham and uh, Corrie Tim Boom and, and even us. We're all in this together. And, Lord, you know our hearts. You know my heart. I haven't done this well. And uh, we ask as a people gathered here this morning, forgive us for forgetting your people. Forgive us for not sitting next to Paul the Apostle whose heart was broken for his own people Israel. And he said that as someone who was in the body of Christ. Father, give us knowledge, give us understanding, bring people across our pathways, help us to discover and search ways in which we can be a blessing to your people Israel and realise and know in our lives that we will be blessed. Not because we deserve it, but because that's exactly what you promised. And so, Lord, we thank you this morning for the challenge and the reminder has God rejected his people? May it never be. God has not rejected his people. 
Israel. Thank you in the name of our Jewish Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.